Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. Morning, Rise and Shine. You're on with the due time with Pastor Steph. How are you this morning? That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. For this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So, where were you yesterday? Ah, yesterday was Wow Wednesday, and we started off with our girl, um, Vivian, in her socially conscious segment, and uh, woo, baby, we have some stuff to talk about yesterday. Well, she started off with, uh, mm, Ten students overdosed on weed edibles. Well, that's not a big surprise these days. But what is a surprise is that uh, that went on in the school, followed by one day after some students died stealing some Benadryl from the nurse's office in the school. Now, how much Benadryl did they have to take in order to uh, overdose on Benadryl? You know, I'm really trying to figure out what's going on with these children, that you would literally go into the nurse's office to steal some medicine and now there's no lesson learned. And to me, that's always the saddest part because now you can't even say that you've learned a lesson from, you know, your mistake because you're not here any longer. Yes, they lost their lives. And um, hopefully this will send a message to other children. Okay. Well, we have an Ohio mom who's suing after her eighth grade student was strip searched over a vape pen. Now, we do understand how serious um, the vape pens are, but uh, 
you know, we do have to just be careful that we don't overdo it. You know, we just got finished talking about the children um, overdoing it. But uh, do we as, as, as people in authority, leadership, do we set the proper tone to limit? You know, they didn't show this young lady what it was about, you know, limitation. Where was her mother? How come nobody called her mom? Yeah. Well, mom is twisted, and I would be too. You know, they had her stripped down to her underwear, the the nurse's department at least, and the principal was aware of all of this stuff going on. And, um, you know, we, we have to make better decisions because despite the fact that we know that, you know, children are dying um, from these uh, things here, that it, it was not an ultra-emergency. If you just isolated the young lady and waited for mom to come, you know, then you can uh, do what you do, right? Well, at least that's the way us level-headed people think. Well, there was also another young lady involved who it doesn't seem they did anything about. Yeah, yeah. Well, here was the biggest story of the morning that ate away <laughs> at our time. And we, yet again, thanks to Vivian, we didn't even get to our topic of conversation. Well, legislation uh, might say, yes, I said it just like that, legislation at the end of the day might say that uh, children will get mental health days from school pretty much since the faculty gets it. You know, they're looking at the fact that some people are, you know, some children are stressed out about school. Um, Some people are just stressed out, period can't really say what it's from, um, but there's just that period in there offering up um, a solution, you know, to uh, give them mental health days. And that's the way they would use it. They would just advise that they took a mental health day and it would not come off of, you know, the top of their other days. And our ladies... Um, you know, offered up some, you know, different thoughts on that. And, uh, hey, you know, there's uh, there's some, some good points here. Um, and there are some not-so-good points here. You know, if there's some abuse um, going on in the home and mom or dad can call in those days, then, hmm. What may happen to the child who, you know, is given, let's say, three, four extra days in school and and that's what's happening, you know, to the child during those days that they're recuperating or, you know, uh, experiencing. There's no way of knowing that. But if you only got 100 days and you start missing You know, they might be able to do a little questioning. They might be able to raise, you know, some eyebrows and get some things done. On the flip side, you know, our children uh, could use possibly, you know, depending on the child, 
You know, Shanti does not want me to talk about how I was never late or absent in all four years of, I was never late, never absent. So I guess mental health days just wasn't my thing, huh? Well, some children actually need that extra time to kind of unwind and chill. And, you know, Elder and I, Tisha, um, brought up something that she um, did with her girls when they were um, in school. And I don't know exactly what age, I don't remember her saying, but um, it worked. It worked in that house. So, you know, you know, there are things that we can do as parents to help our children through those rough times. Okay. All right. Well, one of the other stories that, uh, wow, in a bad time was the mom who uh, wanted her job, her son to get a job so bad that she actually offered the boss her liver. Now, you know, we talked about this thing yesterday. And uh, it didn't work very well. And, and I'm not even going to tell you the story. I want you to go back and listen. Yes, we actually had a mother who was live, um, uh, ready to give up her liver so that her son could have a job. Now, all I'm going to say is, it ain't work out very well. Yeah, I'll say just like that. It ain't work out very well. So, uh, you need to go back and listen and see exactly what took place. Yeah. Woo! Mama, son, yeah, I'm going back to that. You know, Elder and I teacher gave us a stat yesterday, you know, that, you know, we found out existed. I'm still going back to mamas and sons. Because you know what? In, in all honesty, women are much harder on their girls than they are on their sons. And they ain't uh, giving up no liver for the daughter. Nah. They ain't really giving up nothing for the daughter. So, uh, yeah, I'm sticking with mom and Lisa. All right. All right. Well, that's how we spent our Wednesday. And Pastor Charlotte put the ice in all over the cake. And she gave us a uh, faith over fear peek at uh, <laughs> children and their mamas. Yes. So it was a nice Wednesday morning. Well, today is hmm, Therapeutic Thursday. You thought I forgot, right? Nah, I forget. It's Therapeutic Thursday, and we've got uh, a different morning. Yeah, different morning um, for you today. But before we get to that moment, we have, um, you know, some stuff to talk about, like your health. <laughs> oh, it's Thursday, and we're on the other side of the week. We only got one more day 
to this work, school, whatever, weekday. Almost finished. So uh, giving God thanks for what he's done for us and what he always seems to do no matter what. So uh, go ahead, get that healthy breakfast. Go ahead, tell somebody that it's due time with Pastor Seth is on and uh, make sure you go nowhere because we'll be right back cancer doesn't wait neither should you we know COVID-19 is on everyone's mind right now but that doesn't mean you should neglect your routine health care it's important to take care of yourself by doing regular cancer screenings. Screening checks your body for cancer before you have symptoms. Regular screening tests may find breast, cervical, and colon cancers early when treatment is likely to work best. Lung cancer screening is recommended for some people who are at high risk. Talk with your doctor now about when and how often you should be screened before you develop symptoms. If you're having symptoms, take action now and call a doctor. Finding cancer early improves your chances of living longer. Make sure to ask your doctor about the steps they're taking to keep you safe during visits. Remember, cancer doesn't wait. For more information, visit cdc.gov cancer. This message is brought to you by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, American Cancer Society, and the National Comprehensive Cancer Network. Good morning, good morning, good morning again, and welcome back to a due time with Pastor Steph. And it is Therapeutic Thursday. Yes, today we discuss our health, mental, physical, um, emotional. Oh, you know how it goes. You know how it goes. And um, again, giving God thanks that He's kept us in our right frame of mind. He, you know, just kept everything at bay so that we can focus on him. All right. Well, considering that this is Thursday, you know how we do on Thursdays to get that morning started. We uh, we get those health tips, right? All right. So. You know, everybody's talking about the fact that it's at the top of 2023 and you want to lose weight. Well, listen, I stopped making resolutions a long time ago because people don't keep that stuff. No, they don't. And one of the things that, you know, I would always talk about right along with everyone else is the fact that, you know, I'm going to lose some weight and 
you know, I'm going to stop doing this and I'm going to stop doing that, you know, when it comes to food. And, you know, I actually got started uh, earlier than 2023 because, listen, I don't know if I was going to be here for January 1st. So I needed to make sure I got it started. So we're going to talk about you need to give up in 2023 in order to lose weight. Now, you may have been drinking this thing, you know, uh, all the way up until today. But if you really want to lose weight, come on, ladies and gentlemen, you got to really do this. Now, I have to tell you, I've never been much of a sweet drink individual. And in more recent um, months, I've really taken to the water. I've always been a water drinker. I, re- I have to be in the mood and put my head into getting something sweet to drink. But I have to tell you, sweet beverages pack all the pounds. Yo, have you looked at the nutritional uh, uh, slip that's on this stuff? Oh, well, let's start off with the fruit juice. Yes, we're talking about drinks you need to give up in 2023 in order to lose weight. The fruit juice. Yes. Now, although the fruit juice may officially count like as a serving of fruit, that's good. Because, you know, for those of you who don't eat fruit, um, you need it. But it doesn't have like the same weight loss benefit as if you eat the fruit, okay? Now they say fruit juices can provide beneficial nutrients like vitamin C and potassium, but the calories can quickly add up, okay? So they say try serving juice in a small glass or drink water with a squeeze of fresh orange or lime instead. Yuck! I don't want anything in my water. You know, my mother used to say, please give me water with a twist of lemon. Hey, <laughs> no. Don't be messing with my water. If I want water, I want to drink water. That's it, okay? So, listen, eat the fruit or they say squeeze the fruit into the water. Listen, it's better than drinking drinking the fruit, okay? Number two. Sweetened coffee drinks, okay? Now, I don't have to tell you that it is power-packed with sugar. That Frappuccino, just stop, stop. Come on, you're going to drink a Frappuccino because you want to lose weight? You know better than that. Nah, anytime you drink things like that, you know it's loaded with sugar, okay? Now, it doesn't mean you have to give up. You know, if you want to drink your uh, coffee, you don't have to drink it black. You don't have to drink it black. But you don't want to add all of those, you know, heapings of sugar into the cup, which will definitely add on the pounds. Okay? All right. So we're talking about those drinks that we want to leave alone in 2023 if we've made that resolution to lose weight. And next, we're talking about the energy drinks. Yeah, you know those energy drinks. Woo! Okay, so 
they have herbal ingredients such as ginseng and things like that. However, it also comes with a hefty amount of sugar, okay? And uh, they say in actuality that this may be the only downside to these uh, pick-me-up beverages, okay? So they say apart from adding calories to your diet, energy drinks are linked to a number of health problems, and we've talked about this before here on this due time, including increases in heart rate and blood pressure, anxiety, sleep disturbances, and gastrointestinal issues. Okay? All right. So, you know, you don't want also these things, um, these uh, energy drinks, sometimes mess with your sleep, it says. Yeah. So you don't want anything to mess with your sleep because then you'll be a real miserable individual, all right? Number four, drinks we're giving up in 2023, if we want to lose weight, they call it hydration supplement drinks, okay? Now, they don't give any particular um, description other than it's like powdered powder drinks that you add to your water, okay? And they're saying that um, this is packed again with a bunch of unnecessary calories from sugar, okay? So they say these types of drinks aren't made for everyday use. If you want to flavor your water, go for freshly squeezed fruit, herbs, or a non-caloric electrolyte replacer instead. Now, y'all can go do the research on that one. Because <laughs> I don't know what that would be. Okay. Well, number five. Give up the soda. Come on, y'all. You should know better than this. How many of you told me I'm losing weight, but now you, you know, you're picking up the soda? No, you can't do that. Okay. Again, this doesn't surprise any one of us. Regular soda is loaded with sugar. As a diabetic, I didn't even realize at one point how much it affects your uh, the glucose levels. And I drank a bottle of soda. I think it was a Dr. Pepper of a 20-ounce. And, whoa, it sent my numbers up into the fours. Well, that was probably because it was already elevated. Folks, you're not really going to check your sugar before you drink the soda, right? Don't drink the soda. So they're saying if you really need that fizz, go for the flavored sparkling water. And um, what's that? Walmart, you know, they have this uh, brand that actually is pretty good. If that's your thing, um, I've just gotten so water-driven that it, that that's too sweet for me. Yeah, I don't want that. So, but there are alternatives if you want to drink um, something fizzy and uh, just go get the, the sweetened um, water. Okay? Number six, sweetened tea. All right. Now, I have seen people make regular tea. And I'm trying to figure out, are you putting sugar in your tea 
or tea in your sugar. Oh, my goodness, they just turn the whole sugar <laughs> upside down. I'm like, yo, and that's in a small cup of tea. So needless to say that the fact that tea has a wonderful antioxidants, it don't make no difference after a while because by the time you add all that sugar, you should just killed all the benefits of the tea. And um, they say if you want to um, add a little sweetness to your tea, go for the honey. And um, you also have maple syrup. They say fresh lemon juice can also be added in place of sugar for an even healthier version. Now, I, I don't know about all that because last I checked, lemon wasn't sweet. And if you're looking for something sweet, lemon ain't going to replace it. But that's what the health officials say. All right. But we know the sugar don't need to be like nine teaspoons. Okay. Number six, carb-loaded smoothies. Now, we talked about this before. You want to... <clears throat> You don't want to go to the store to get your smoothie because that is loaded with sugar. But you want to give it that balance of fruit and vegetables um, to make sure that, um, you know, you do not overdo it on the sugar. They say, you know, a lot of times you want to substitute it for something that you are, you know, chewing but uh, you want to put unsweetened plant-based milk inside of your smoothie, um, you know, and things like that. You don't definitely, you don't want to go for the, just like a smoothie that's made of straight fruit juice. Because we all know that, um, I'm, I'm sorry, straight of fruit, straight fruit. Because it will, man, the sugar content on that is out of this world. All right, number eight, number eight, number eight. Beer, wine, and cocktails. In other words, alcohol. <laughs> yes. They, and you know what? They always say that. I've always heard that. If you want to lose weight, you want to definitely stay away from alcohol because actually alcohol is very much ridden with sugar. Okay. So, you know, you've heard that before. If you're a drinker, you've heard. Um, they say a 12 ounce of beer contains 150 calories, while a five ounce glass of wine comes with 125 calories. Now, that's just a little too little to drink to be racking up all those calories. All right? So, we want to definitely focus on. You know, get rid of getting rid of those beverages um, in 2023 since you made this whole resolution thing to lose weight. And uh, let me give you that list again. Uh, get rid of the fruit juice. Get rid of the sweetened coffee drinks. Get rid of the energy drinks. Get rid of the hydration supplement drinks. Those are the that's the powder that you put in your water. Soda, definitely get rid of the soda. Sweetened tea, you want to get rid of the sweetened tea. Carb loaded smoothies, beer, wine, 
and cocktails. Those are the things that you want to stop drinking if you want to lose weight because they are all high in sugar. Okay? All right. We have a couple of minutes to go. Um, let me see. Now, we could talk this one out. Let's talk this one out. All right. So, we are about to have our Dr. Pierre Gordon on. And um, while we wait for him to come on, I just got finished looking at a few of my notes of when he was here with us last month on the 5th. And Dr. Pierre Gordon is our, um, we want to call him our resident um, doctor in the field of cosmetic surgery and GYN, well, they say OBSGYN, okay? And um, some of the things that he talked about the last time was we focused more on the cosmetic surgery side is um, the fact that you cannot really get rid of stretch marks. You know, they I, I'm telling you, they got stretch mark creams, they got stretch mark this, and they, you know, women are really twisted um, when they get stretch marks because they want to get rid of it when they have a baby or when they gain weight or after they lose weight, it, it shows up. Listen, ladies, I just say, let it happen and be okay with it. Um, he says, you know, you really don't have um, any ability to fix that or change that or make it go away because it's just simply a sign that there's been damage as the stomach has stretched and now or before, you know, you've lost weight. Okay? So, um, let me see some of the other stuff that uh, we uh, talked about here. Hmm. Well, well huh, we talked about when you get your uh, cosmetic surgery, you are, uh, after pregnancy, you can simply do sit-ups instead of getting a cosmetic surgery. Um, and things like that, you know, there are, in other words, there are physical things that you really can do, you know, especially for you younger ladies, you know, as you get older, let me tell you, I wish I had gotten rid of all this weight in my younger years, and I've heard a lot of, you know, other women say so, because you don't lose the weight the same way, okay, you don't lose the weight the same way, so, you know, if you, you know, you can do it. It's going to take a whole lot of um, time and, you know, stuff like that. <clears throat> um, you know, so you know, if, if some of you have contemplated um, not suicide, come on, come on, come on. If you've contemplated doing the, um, what you call it, the uh, cosmetic surgery and, uh you know, you still haven't made that move, you know, give us a holler. Let us know, 
you know, why you've, you know, decided to stand still or you're preparing for it, whichever way you go, you know, to each his own. And um, guess who's on with us? Okay. Uh, we have uh, Dr. Gordon. And uh, let's say good morning. Good morning, Dr. Pierre Gordon. Good morning. Happy New Year. How are you over there? Well, thank you. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. I'm well, I'm well, I'm well, thank you. So we are, we're so happy to be able to get you back on with us. And um, before we get started, you know, why don't you give us a little introduction to who Dr. Pierre Gordon is, just in case they didn't, you know, get a chance to hear you last month. Well, thank you for having me again. It's a pleasure. Um, as far as me, I am an obstetrician gynecologist and cosmetic surgeon. Um, I did residency in obstetric gynecology and fellowship training in cosmetic surgery. So I do a little bit of both. Essentially, I take care of women from a variety of standpoints, not only from the gynecologic standpoint, um, as far as the OB standpoint, and also cosmetic surgery. After you're done with childbearing and you want to try to get that pre-mommy body back, I do my best to try to get you there. Are you still there? Well, Dr. Gordon, Dr. Gordon, can you hear me now? I can hear you. Okay. I said my pre-mommy body happened 24 years ago. Can you help me? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Oh, my goodness gracious. Well, see here, everybody. Go ahead. Yes, go ahead. No, you said we can certainly get our... I can certainly get you closer to that pre-mommy body. Sometimes even better. Oh, wow. Okay, ladies. You heard that. So no matter how long it's been since there was a, you were a pre-mommy, Dr. Gordon can definitely give you a hand with that. And he said sometimes even better. All right. Well, Dr. Gordon, thank you again for joining us um, last month we dealt with the cosmetic surgery side of um, what you do. And this month, uh, I'd like to give the ladies an opportunity to submit questions. And they've been sending in questions. Um, For the other side, your um, OBGYN side, so we have some, you know, various questions. Can we throw some questions at you? Yes, please. All righty, all righty. All right, so I have the first question. For a woman in pre in perimenopause, should she be concerned when you have a tender, when you have tender nipples or it's sensitive to touch? Now, first of all, help us with perimenopause. What is that? All right, so I figure there are various 
parts of life, if you will. Um, you have premenopausal, perimenopausal, and postmenopausal. So premenopausal, um, you haven't gone through menopause, you're still having regular periods. Perimenopausal is, it's hard to give it an exact time, let's say five years, more or less, um, where you're going through that transition. You may still have periods here and there, but they're not every month. Um, and with that, you may have certain symptoms, um, hot flashes, night sweats, mood changes, things like that. Postmenopausal, you haven't had a period for a full year. Um, and at that point, it's the change of life, if you will. Um, and it comes with um, essentially another set of issues and other things that you need to look for and look at. So that's the distinction between premenopausal, perimenopausal, and postmenopausal. As far as and your nipples in that perimenopausal stage, um, there could be a number of reasons why um, the nipples are tender. I don't necessarily, I wouldn't say that it's necessarily due to the fact that you're perimenopausal. So it would actually be best to go see a doctor so they can do a full history, a full physical, and see what's going on with that. And it may not necessarily be a bad thing, but I'd say just go ahead and have it checked out. Okay, okay. Okay, so Dr. Gordon, I missed something. Okay, so I got the premenopause is while you're, it's while you're having your periods. The postmenopause is no period for a year, but I didn't get the perimenopausal um, state. What does that mean? I'm sorry. So perimenopausal is that transition period between premenopausal and postmenopausal, and that can okay. last years. Okay. But that really? is a point where most people get hot flashes and the mood swings and the the irregular periods. So they may have a period okay. one month, they may not have one for another three months, and they, next month they may have mm. one for the next two months. It's irregular. Okay. Okay. Wow. Already you're coming out the gate clarifying some stuff for us. Wow. All righty. Why you called me in? <laughs> because you know what? I actually... Personally, I didn't even realize that there were that it was perimenopausal and premenopausal. I just always thought I just read too fast. <laughs> and I was just getting no, messed up. No, but they weren't two different things. So um, I'm glad that um, you cleared that up. Okay, so uh, we well, got another me, question. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Let me add one more onto that. Sorry, let me add one more onto that. There is something mm-hmm. called premature menopause. All right. Um, So the average age of menopause is about 51 years old. Okay. Um, And say with a range of around 50 to 54, most people will go through menopause. Okay. Um, If someone goes through menopause before the age of 50, that's fine. In their 40s, we still consider that normal. We consider it premature menopause if they're under the age of 40. Okay, okay. All there right. are women who do go, do go through menopause before the age of 40. That is premature menopause. Now, when a woman wow. goes through menopause, 
when a woman goes through menopause, then their mm-hmm. the hormonal changes that they go through, especially the decrease in estrogen, increases certain risk for certain health factors, especially cardiovascular mm. disease, where you mm. see their risk of cardiovascular issues almost equals that of a man at that point. So for someone wow. who has lost the benefit of the estrogen in their body, especially at such a young age, then we would consider hormone replacement therapy for that person. Okay. Okay. Wow. All righty. Speaking of menopause, all right, yes. so when you have a hysterectomy, for whatever the reason is, I've never gone through menopause. And I had a hysterectomy like over 10 years ago. And, and okay. I got so many different, uh, different pieces of information. Oh, it'll be, you know, because you're so early. How old was I? I forgot how old I was. But, oh, because you're this age, it's going to be delayed. Oh, because, and then I got, well, you should feel it any day now. Because once they start removing stuff, you know, so can you give us some clarification on maybe some expectation or is there a norm that you that you should feel or will you bypass menopause altogether? Can you help us with that? So I would start by saying apples and oranges. Oh, okay. Meaning that having a hysterectomy does not necessarily mean that you're going to go through menopause. Okay. So let me define a hysterectomy. You have a partial hysterectomy, you have a total hysterectomy. A partial mm-hmm. hysterectomy means that they take out the uterus itself, but they still leave the cervix in place. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are reasons to do that. Most of the time, we try to take out the cervix along with it. Now, taking mm-hmm. out the uterus and or the cervix does not mean that we're taking out the ovaries as well. Sometimes Mm. at the time of a hysterectomy, they will take out the ovaries. That's called a total hysterectomy with a salpingoophrectomy, meaning we're taking out the tubes and the ovaries as well. Mm. But just because someone has a hysterectomy, does that mean they automatically have um, the ovaries taken out? You're only going into premature menopause if the ovaries are taken out. If what is taken out, so hold on, say that again, please. If the ovaries are taken out. Okay. So in your case, if the ovaries were not taken out, I would not expect you to go through menopause. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Okay. No menopause. All right. Now, can you say why? Someone who might want to know why. Oh, so the ovaries are the organs that are making the estrogen, giving you the hormones. So if they're still there, they're still working. So there's no reason for you to go through menopause. There's no reason to expect that you go through menopause at that point. Okay. So, yay! (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> when I look at other women and they're sweating and going through all of those things, I'm like, "Woo, baby, I never did that. Okay, thank you. I mean, you out. will go through menopause at your natural time, but not at the time okay. that 
the hysterectomy was done. All righty. Okay. Thank you for helping us with that. All right. You're welcome. Okay. Now we have a question regarding cysts. Now before we get to that particular question that I have here, I want um, to, I've heard some things, and I want, I would love for you to clarify for us. They say, I've, I've been told that women automatically get cysts, but sometimes they just go away, and because they go away, we never know we have it because it doesn't cause us any discomfort. But we do get cysts, despite the fact we may never know it's there. Is that true? You may get what? Sick? Cysts. 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 C-Y-S-T-S. Cysts. Oh, cysts. Um, yeah. Yeah. So essentially any time that you ovulate, and ovulation is the egg popping out of the ovary. Every time you ovulate, you make cysts. And that's normal. Okay. If I see an ultrasound and there's a one, two, three centimeter cyst, I'm not worried about it. It's completely normal. So okay. women make cysts every single month. They go away and they make new ones as they ovulate. Their ovary goes through the whole process of maturing an egg. Okay. So the only okay. time that it becomes an issue is if it is really large, which can cause issue with the ovary twisting and cutting off its blood supply, or if it's large and it's staying there, or it looks ugly on an ultrasound, then there's a possibility it may be cancer or other things. But just because there's a okay. cyst does not necessarily mean that it is an issue that needs to be addressed. It might just have to be followed okay. up. Okay, okay. All righty. Now, another question regarding cysts. Can cysts and fibroids prevent a healthy pregnancy is, is what the question is. Um, that is a complex question. It depends on where the fibroids are. Um, especially if a fibroid is around the tubes where the pregnancy is supposed to come out of the tube and into the uterus, then it can certainly prevent that from happening. If the fibroid is within the sort of the meat of the uterus, what we call the, um, the endometrium, where the pregnancy is supposed to implant. So if you have a lot of fibroids in those areas, then it may not implant well. Um, so there are certain cases where fibroids can cause that. Uh, but if it's a fibroid that's on the outside of the uterus, kind of just hanging out, no, that's not really going to be so much of an issue. It all depends on where it is. Okay. The, can you help us un, um, understand where fibroids come from and why some women get it and others don't? So fibroids are more likely in African-American women. Um, that's not to say that other women of other races can't get them. All women are possibly capable of getting fibroids, um, but you certainly see it much more in African-American women. Um, part of it, I would say, is genetic. A large part of it is also diet. Um, women who eat higher amounts of starch are more likely to get fibroids. Say that again, um, Pastor. Uh, Pastor, goodness gracious. <laughs> Say that again. <laughs> 
I always talk to pastors. Okay, I'm so sorry. Dr. Gordon, say that last piece again, please. You may have a large amount of starch. Oh, okay. Have a higher risk of fibroids. So diet certainly is a part of Wow. Okay. So we're talking more on the side of African-American women. It can be genetic or can um, come from eating large amounts of starch and carbs. Or both, yeah. The combination of the two. Okay, okay. Now, you started with the word endometriosis. (laughs) You you touched on that and um, actually... I put it down because I know some women suffer with that, but I ended up getting a more direct question. What are the best resolutions for endometriosis? And before we get there, if you can kindly, um, if you would kindly give us an understanding of what endometriosis is, please. Okay. So, um, now, the word that I said earlier was endometrium versus endometriosis. Right. Endometrium is right. the lining of the uterus. All right. Um, okay. That's where the glands are. That's the part that grows every month when you have a period and that comes out when you have a period. Those glands okay. that are in that area, that's where they're supposed to be. When those glands go outside of that area, all right, inside the pelvic wall on the ovary, and it can cause pain, that's endometriosis. Okay. Right. So okay. that tissue, that inner lining of the uterus, responds to estrogen in the body. So as the estrogen level increases at a certain time of the month, those glands, that tissue, is going to respond to that. If it is outside the uterus, that it can cause pain. That's the issue with endometriosis. So what we do with that, there, endometriosis is complex as far as how to treat it and how to best go about it. Um, one of the main ways we do so is by controlling the hormones. They're giving someone birth control pills to try to mitigate the amount of estrogen in their body. Or we may give them Lupron to shut down that process altogether. That's, you can call that medical menopause, and it's temporary for about three months. Um, okay. if, if it's really bad and someone who's done with childbearing, that's when we would go ahead and do a hysterectomy and take out the ovaries. Wow. And okay. at that point, you're taking out the hormones that are causing those glands to flare up and cause pain. Mm, okay. Okay. So if a woman wanted to get pregnant and she suffers from endometriosis, is there a, um, which way would you probably go? As I said, endometriosis is not the easiest of things to treat. So, again, the answer is see a doctor, you have a full history of physical, and they can discuss what your options are. Women can still get pregnant with endometriosis. The approach just needs to be individualized. Okay. 
Some other questions here, Dr. Gordon. How does weed affect pregnancy? If, if it um, so, we don't suggest that women smoke marijuana um, during pregnancy. And I think there are a number of ways to approach this. Um, as far as the issues with the lungs, I think there is research coming out to show that smoking marijuana is probably just as bad for your lungs as smoking just regular cigarettes, first of all. Can um, you say that again? Maybe. You please say that again, um, Dr. <laughs> Gordon. Please, just because I am so tired of hearing People say, well, if we smoke, it's safe to smoke weed. And I can't imagine, even in my unmedical trained mind, that ingesting it, the, the smoke from weed is not going to affect your body. It may not have the exact same effect, but it's still putting all of that into your body. So please say that again for those who may have missed it. So, yes. Smoking weed can still have detrimental effects on your lungs. Um, at least from that standpoint, and even vaping, um, that coming into, I guess, more into the vogue at this point, it's people thinking that safer. Again, research is still being done on that, but preliminary results are certainly showing that it's bad for your lungs too. So that's not any safer um, from that standpoint there. The other thing is that there is not a lot of research being conducted in pregnant women, period. And I think the reason is mm-hmm. fairly obvious. No, to subject right, themselves to being right. um, experimented on. So you're not going right. to have clinical trials where people are going to say, I'm going to smoke cigarettes on this arm and I'm going to smoke weed on this arm and I'm just not going to smoke there and then for us to compare <laughs> what the effects are on the baby. That's not going to happen. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, bottom line is, no, it is not a good idea to smoke weed during pregnancy. Here's another one. Someone who smokes weed on a regular basis and then they stop that, mm-hmm. it starts a lot of nausea and vomiting you need to be afterwards. Wow. So, while someone may have a lot of morning sickness and that goes away during the early second trimester, but like right. smoking weed, besides for whatever reason, stop it at some point, we'll come into the hospital and we're trying to stop their nausea and vomit that is just intractable. Why? Because they've been smoking mm-hmm. weed so much. And now the fact that they're off it is causing them to have all this nausea and vomiting. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. So... I don't know if the individual was asking, um, you know, how, if we, if smoking weed affects maybe your ability to get pregnant, um, like, does it, does it, like, do something to your body? 
Um, Not that you know, I'm maybe aware this of. is an additional question. Okay. All right. Okay. So we're strictly sticking to while you're pregnant, smoking weed while you're pregnant. Yeah. Okay. All righty. Thank you. All righty. Now we have HPV, now, the papillomavirus. I remember when my youngest daughter um, was, what, 11 or 12, they started the HPV. The, my older girls, they, um, they didn't, it wasn't there um, available. They hadn't started it then. So can we do two things? Can we talk about what the HPV, what HPV is, and for those who never got the HPV um, vaccine or whatever it is, um, versus those who did. So, like I said, I have two older girls who never, you know, it wasn't it wasn't available while they were that age. But yet, my youngest, is there a difference? Um, for the two of them. So for, first, what's HPV, please? All right. So HPV is a human papillomavirus. There are a number of strains or a number of versions of that virus. Some of them will cause genital warts. Um, some of them will just cause regular warts that one may have on a finger or on a hand. And others will cause cervical cancer or even throat cancer. Mm. Um, now, it's all about the manifestation. I call HPV the common cold of having sex, meaning it's all that you get exposed to it. Wait, say that part again. Wait, 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 wait. You said, so we missed part of what you said. You said that it was like the common cold of having sex, and then you said something after right. that. That as long as you're having sex, you're getting exposed to it. So the majority of the time, your body clears it and you go on with your life. It's only in the instances where your body does not get rid of it. Then it can become an issue. Wow. Now, so it's past between men and women, and it's not, you can't say that it's a sexually transmitting infection in the form of, well, someone's cheating on me and that's how I got the HPV. Not the case. You can't say that. Like I said, okay. common cold of having sex. Okay. Um, so if someone gets it, hopefully they clear it, we're done. If it sticks around, then we do other tests. We watch it. If it looks like it's, the cells are changing and we need to do a colposcopy, a biopsy, or um, a colonization, take out the abnormal cells, we can do that. Because okay. depending on the type of virus that we're seeing, then the, the chance of it turning into cancer may be higher than others. That's the okay. thing with HPV. Okay? Not all of them, but okay. some of them. As far as the vaccine, mm-hmm. that has, I guess, broadened over the past few years. Um, mm-hmm. I can't remember what age it started 
before, but now the recommendation you can start as early as nine years old, I believe. Wow. Yes, as early as nine years old and can be given as old as 45. So just because your daughters didn't get it, they probably still can. Now, here's the thing. They stay as old as 45 because that's likely the age that the insurance companies will pay for. Someone who's Mm. older than that, talk to your doctor. You may be able to get it and pay out of pocket. Maybe, but talk to your doctor. Okay. Okay. Um, The whole point of the vaccine is that it will protect you from strains that you have not been exposed to. Okay. All right. So if you've already been exposed to it, then it doesn't necessarily help as much. Hopefully you've already gotten antibodies to it and that's that. But it protects against the most common strains that are likely to cause cancer and a few others that would cause genital warts. That's the newest one. What? Go ahead. Okay. Okay. Why... Why did they drop it as low as nine? Yes, do research. Because when it first started, it was a quadrivalent, meaning it only had four strains that it um, protected against. Um, now that they've done more research and more advancement, the newest vaccine is non-ovalent, meaning that it protects against nine different strains. So we've gone from four strains mm. to nine strains now and broaden the, the age range. Um, also figure that kids are having sex earlier, all right? I thought so. Mm-hmm. When you think that, I don't know, they're 15 and it's time to have the talk and they already had sex long before that. Right, um, right, right. The point to the vaccine is to have it there in place before they come into contact with that abnormal strain, mm-hmm. with that bad strain. Mm-hmm. So if you start at the age of nine years old, very God no nine year olds are having sex, then they right, are right. Wow. And it's so recommended it, for both boys and girls. Okay. Yes, I did see that on the T V on the commercials that they're um and initially it was just the girls from what I understood, but like you said, on the commercials it's it shows boys and girls. Now, it, since you say it's it's not like a sexually transmitted disease, and it's like the common cold of having sex, what's the transmission issue? Um, you know, like like for other and, and other diseases, it's like well, you could be a carrier, but you don't have it, like that kind of stuff. How does that, I mean, that or does that factor in? What's that? Does that factor in? You know, or is that something that can happen? You could be a carrier, but you know, you 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 don't have it, or all that kind of stuff. Does that does that so apply here it, with this HPV? Yes, because essentially that is the issue with men, because mm. it is being passed men women, and it's through vaginal contact. So men generally do not have symptoms or issues most of the time. All right? It is women who generally have the issues with the abnormal change in the cervix. Mm. So they have it, and they are asymptomatic the majority of the time. 
but the women, most of the time, are the ones who are going to have the abnormal issues with the cervix. Now, again, men can still have issues. It's just the majority don't. Um, and we're talking about heterosexual contact at this point. There can still be abnormalities in tissues in other places. That's why I also mentioned throat cancer, for example. Um, there's also such a thing as an anal pap, where we're essentially doing the same pap smear of the AIDS, because that issue there can also react to the um, HPV virus and can cause anal cancer. Mm. Wow. Now, you say that males don't normally have symptoms or issues. What would be a symptom or an issue for men? There has or been males. increases throat cancer um, in men. Um, that can certainly be due to HPV in addition to other things. Um, right. A lot of smoking and drinking can also cause throat cancer, but HPV can also cause right. throat cancer. Um, and you right. can see that in men. Um, anal cancer also can be another one. Um, and again, can also be seen in men, um, especially in men who have sex with other men. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And is this something that the ladies the females should be looking for as far as symptoms? I know you say we have the, you know, the um, the other, um, the cervix, um, you know, issues. But, like, what are some of the things that we need, that if we saw, we need to bring to the doctor's attention? So that's the thing. It's not even so much about looking for symptoms as much as, as it is surveillance and screening. That's why we okay. recommend a pap smear depending okay. every three to five years, depending on your results. As long as you continue getting your pap smear, we're staying on top of it and we're staying ahead of it, long before you even have okay. any symptoms. Okay. Or okay. you have any issues. The point is prevention, not even having to try to treat it. Okay. So with okay. pap smears regularly and the vaccine, hopefully we're not even looking at symptoms. Okay, okay, I got you. Because the screenings will more than likely pick up any abnormalities. That's what that's what we're doing. That's what we're looking for. Okay, 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 okay. Is there a an age range where it's seen more, or we know it can go, you know, from from this age to this age, but is there a particular age range where you where you find or they're finding more women who are having issues with the HPV? So that affects the screening guidelines at this point. First thing is at okay. this point we don't do passengers before the age of twenty one anymore. Oh, oh, okay. All right. Um, between 21 and 30, the only thing we're doing is looking at the cells. We're not even looking at the HPV virus because the HPV mm. virus 
women between 21 and 30 are going to have it, and most women are going to clear it between that age range. Okay. Because of the whole carbon coal portion. They're going to come in contact with right. it, they're going to get the majority of them. Okay, okay. After. Okay. So now it depends on which organization you read and things like that and as far as when to stop. But let's just start with 65 right now. 65, okay. if you've had pap smears, say, for the past 20 years that have been completely normal, likely we might just stop doing pap smears at that point. All right? Okay. So right now, we're looking between the age of 30 and 65. That's the most active portion. That is where we are certainly much more aggressive as far as looking and screening. Between that age okay. range, we are simply doing a code testing, which means we're looking at the cell and we're looking for the presence of the HPV virus. Okay. It is less likely to be cleared than if you were between 21 and 30. Okay. 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 So it's that 30 to 65 age range where we are certainly much more vigilant as far as the screening and the treatment and the prevention. Okay. Uh, I know there are some, if you want to say, logical uh, things that you can think of to uh, help prevent this HPV from spreading, but are there some things that you want to give us um, to tell, you know, to, to warn us or to help us, you know, be more vigilant, you know, even in our behavior or the things that we, you know, should stop doing or is there something that you're saying, listen, ladies, listen, gentlemen, people don't tell you this, but, or you may have heard it, but I want to push this um, uh, piece of advice. Is there something you want to give us regarding this HPV area? Yeah, that's a little hard to say because, as I said, first, it's the common cold of having sex. So if you're having sex, then you're likely to get exposed to it. So then that brings me to the point of the only way to not be exposed to it is to not have sex. Now, mm-hmm. I'm not telling people not to do that, but that really is the only way that you're not going to get exposed to it. Um, well, yeah, you can people not to do it. <laughs> I'm not saying, look, I'm not saying that we can't, but, like, look, I I am not telling people how to live their lives. All right? I'm here to if give them be the best medical advice possible. What's that? That's what, I'm, that's, that's what I'm saying. You know, the best medical advice is don't have sex. You know, it, it sounds hard. I wouldn't it say that's sounds... medical advice. I would not say that's medical advice. No, not at all. That's not what I'm saying. That's not medical advice? Uh, no. From my medical opinion, I'm not going to tell people about to have sex. Sex has many functions to it and many benefits to it. So, no, I'm not going to tell people not to have sex. But oh, well, that is the that you are not. What's that? I said, yeah, many, go ahead, finish what you're there saying. There are many benefits. There are many health benefits to sex. And, in fact, you know what? We should probably make that one of our topics for one of the next talks. All right? Yeah, we sure will. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well. 
absolutely, absolutely. Um, so that is the only reason that you're not going to get exposed. But again, I'm not going to tell people not to have sex. Now, condoms do not help with that because the HPV virus is so small, it goes through the condoms. All right, so that's not going wow. to say to say that you're wearing a condom and you're not going to get exposed to HPV. That's not the case. Condoms help with other sexually transmitted infections, other diseases. It's not going to necessarily help with HPV. Um, really, the best advice is be your doctor. Get your regular pap smears starting at the age of 21. And depending on the results, you may not have to get another pap smear for two years or three years or five years. All right? So it's not something mm. where it has to be since and it has to be that you're going to go in and get one every single year. That's not where we are anymore. Okay. So the results, okay. it's two years, okay. three years, or five years. Now, if there's an okay. abnormality and you need to get a colposcopy, you need to repeat a pap smear six months or something like that, then absolutely that's what you need to do, and that's the reason why you went to see your doctor in the first place. Right. So the best medical advice, okay. go see your gynecologist, get a pap smear. Have them follow okay. up. That's it. Okay. Well, you just walked right into, because we, we got, you know, about another 15 minutes. You just walked right into the last thing I wanted to talk about, which is a huge thing for some women. Um, they are afraid. They're afraid. Um, you know, there's been this, uh, you know, this fear factor in regards to the, um, what do you call those things? Um, Dr. Gordon, the metal, they used to be metal, now they're plastic. Speculums? Ah, there you go. You know, they've heard of this and, what'd you say? Speculums, yes, go ahead. Yes. Um, You know, they've heard of, you know, what's going on with, you know, women who've had, this and you know they've come back and they're like oh they heard and now you have other women who now don't want to go um, because they're afraid of the, the pain. Um, so as it, 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 uh, as simplistic as it may be, and you've touched on it a couple of times here, um, you know encouraging women to go get the pap smear. Um, please uh, let women know the basics of why it's so important outside of the HPV thing that you do go get a pap smear. So let's start with the differentiation of a pap smear from a pelvic exam or an annual exam. A pap smear is a test that looks for HPV. That's it. it. It's a swab and it's a broom. That's all that is. I'm taking some cells, I'm brushing your surface with a cell and sending it out to the lab. That is the pap smear. A pelvic exam is different where we're doing a speculum exam. We're putting a speculum, I'm taking a look. I'm looking to see if there's any abnormal discharge. I might take a swab and send it to the lab and they'll let me know if there's gonorrhea, chlamydia, um, bacteria vaginosis if there's an abnormal discharge. In addition to that, I will also do a biomanual exam. So I'm looking, I'm feeling for the ovaries to see if they're enlarged. 
I'm feeling for the uterus to see if that's enlarged. I'm moving the cervix around, seeing if there's any pain. All right. So a pelvic exam comprises all of that, which includes putting in the speculum so I can actually see what's going on. So that's the difference between a pap smear and a pelvic exam. I will do a pap smear during the pelvic exam sometimes if you need the pap smear. But the pap smear you don't always have to have if you, it's not time for it. So as I said, two years, three years, or five years, depending on your results. The pelvic exam, we recommend that being done every year. So two completely different things. So the pelvic wow. exam is just like your regular checkup. Just like you go to your doctor every year for them to listen to your heart and do your blood work, make sure that your cholesterol is fine and all of this. Your pelvic exam is the same thing from the gynecologic standpoint. You still need that done every year. Okay, okay, okay. I'm glad you clarified that because um, I thought when you said it the first time, I misunderstood you completely because I'm like, oh, well, that's why the insurance company said they weren't paying for another test or for another two years. But now that you've helped to differentiate the two, now it's much clearer. So thank you for clearing that up. Um, now, as far as the speculum exam, all right, now speculum is the instrument that I put inside the vagina so I can actually see inside the vagina. It's also see the cervix. Some are made of metal, others are made of plastic. There are different sizes. I am as gentle as possible and go as slow as possible. Some women are more sensitive than others. And I do my best to try to be cognizant of that fact and to allow it to be as comfortable of an experience as possible. That being said, some, as I said, some women are more sensitive than others. <clears throat> it could be due to a number of factors. A woman's history also will affect how they experience the exam. Someone who's had previous trauma may be much less tolerant of a pelvic exam to the point where just putting a finger just outside the vagina, they're anticipating a lot of pain and they clench up and they're not able to tolerate it at all. So just because someone's had a difficult experience with a previous public exam, does that mean that you will have the same issue? Doesn't mean you will have the same experience. Right. All right. Um, yes. So it's, it helps for the provider to be cognizant and gentle and slow and try to walk the patient through the experience. At the same time, there are two people in that experience. Not only the doctor doing his, his or her best in order to try to get gentle with it, but the patient also is bringing her past and her experience into it as well. So someone who's had previous trauma is going to be a little less tolerant. All righty. All righty. Thank you for clearing that up for us. Okay, so... For those, um, I don't know, but somebody just sent me a question here. 
Dr. Gordon. Let me see if I can pick it up. Okay. Vagin, okay. Vaginismus. Am I saying this word right? Yes. Okay. Um, please help us with what that is. Um, yeah, that's a bit difficult to just pinpoint, essentially. Um, really, it's more figuring out what's happening, what's causing it. It likely, basically what the patient is coming into the office with is a lot of sensitivity, likely pain, um, within the the vagina itself or within the intruders outside of the, the vagina. Question is why, what's causing it? Um, which means we have to do an evaluation and figure that out. So it's hard to say exactly what it is, what's happening, but it's basically hypersensitivity in that area. Okay. Okay. We've talked about quite a few topics here this morning, and we've got a couple of minutes. What do what would you give us in your closing? We've got about ten minutes. What would you what would you give us? Um, you know, what would you leave us with today, based on everything you've said? You know, I think I brushed on it and probably, I wouldn't say harp on it, but certainly focused on it, especially the last time we talked, and I said it certainly a number of times today as well. But the most important thing is to see your doctor, Um, whether it's from a cosmetic surgery standpoint, you want to have a consultation. So you have an understanding of what's happening, what to expect, what can be done, what can't be done, and things like that. As far as a gynecologic standpoint, again, see your doctor. Because you may need a paxomere in two years or three years or five years. Um, if you're having pain or irregular periods, having a consultation will give you more information to figure out what you want and what you need done. At the end of the day, it comes down to that. Okay. As you were talking, and this may be a silly question, maybe a silly question, but is there some, how do you choose your gynecologist? You know, for those who are just getting started, and I've, I've had people ask, you know, well, who do you go to? How do you, how should, what are the things we need to look for? Um, comfort. I know a lot of women say, well, I've never been to a male gynecologist and I may not be comfortable with a male gynecologist. And that certainly is your choice. For some people, it's religious. Um, and there's likely is no way getting around that. Um, at the same time for, and I have Many female patients who are comfortable with me have no issues seeing a male gynecologist. I have others who've only seen women before, and they come and see me, and they are absolutely comfortable in seeing me. 
I've even had a few say, you know what, you're more gentle than many of the women gynecologists that I've seen. Um, so just because the gynecologist is male doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be any rougher than a woman, if you will. Um, experience has been that maybe a little gentler in some cases. Um, besides that, it really is more as far as what it is you're comfortable with. If, and what the issues are, you have family practitioners who also do gynecology and pap smears, and that's fine. You have mm-hmm. midwives and nurse practitioners who also do pap smears and pelvic exams, and that's fine. Uh, if at any point there actually is an issue that needs to be addressed um, or something that may need a procedure to be done, more than likely you need an actual gynecologist as opposed to a family practitioner who's doing pap smears or a nurse practitioner or a midwife who's doing pelvic exams. So it depends on what it is that you want. Okay. Oh, okay. Okay. I like that answer, actually. Um, I don't think a lot of us even understand that there are other medical fields, like an internist, who actually do those things. And well, family practitioners. I actually like Family practice. I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Family mm-hmm. practitioner, uh, <laughs> um, who actually, you know, also, you know, deal with gynecology, and it. it I'm. It, it, I like the answer because it, it. That. What do you need? You know, dictates. You know how you choose. Because everybody is not for everything. I like I, I mentioned a little while ago, I had um, an emergency hysterectomy. So you know, it, from the emergency room, they always send someone. They always choose your surgeons, so forth and so on. And of course, you have your follow up. And from that, I I just figured that you know, okay, well, you know, I should go to him, you know, because I didn't have a gynecologist at the time. And woo, baby, he was the worst. I don't know what he did. He, he he saved my life on the table, but just bedside manner and, you know, all different types of things. And, and that's why, you know, it, it was really important with the way you answered that. You know, what do you mean? Because that helps to, you know, make that decision. You know, just because you have someone, again, who – was an excellent surgeon may not be someone you you know you can follow up with, um, and I haven't. I, I never went back again after that. You know, um, uh, thing the uh, not the follow up, but you know, a couple a year or so later, I went for my exam, and oh, he never got my business again. Just horrible, rough, short, curt. It was just, it was really not a good experience, and. I do agree that there are some women that are rougher than men. I don't know what that's about, um, but I've heard other women say that. I've experienced it myself. So there's, there, that's one of the reasons why I did ask you because, you know, especially when women are starting out, you said they normally don't do, you normally don't do pap smears before 21. Am I correct? Is it pap smear? Am I saying it right, Dr. Gordon? Pap smear, correct. 
Yes, passengers, not no passengers okay. before 21 at this point. But right. someone who's younger than 21 still needs a public exam. We still need to do okay. cultures right. for SD. Okay. Uh, well, how early? How early should that start? Um. So as far as STD testing, what I said my patients is if you're having sex, I recommend it every year, whether you are in a monogamous relationship or not. And I will look for gonorrhea, chlamydia, trichomonas. Um, I recommend doing an HIV test and hepatitis as well. Um, okay. Every year. So if someone's 16 and they're having sex, I recommend having that done. No matter how how young they are, because it's all possible. Right, right. As long as you're as long as you're sexually active, you're open to many possibilities. Yeah. In other words, yes. yes. Okay. All right. All right. Sometimes that just needs to be said like that, Doctor Gordon, because you know people are kind of slow, and I don't mean slow in understanding, but. This, this, um, how do I want to say it? The, um, oh, goodness, it's right on the tip of my tongue. You know, they don't want to believe, you know, it's, I don't want to take my daughter, you know, she doesn't want, you know, it's like, okay, well, like you said, if she's having sex, you know, you want to get that done because, and, and, you know, as long as she's active, there's always these, you know, possibilities. So, um, and that's what really, really what I meant about the sex thing, about telling people not to have sex, not because we're dictating their lives, because, you know, as long as you're doing this, you now open yourself up to, you know, many medical issues, and, you know, outside of the, the pluses to having sex. Um, but that's where I was coming from with that. You know, I raised three girls. So, you know, you know what that's about. <laughs> um, like I said, we'll have that conversation next time. Right. You know, so it's it's something that um that was that was what was on my mind. Um again, not to, you know, tell people what to do. This has been an excellent um session with you. Really, really a, a really informative one. And you know, God spares next month, you'll be back. And, you know, you and I will work on what we're going to kind of focus on. And I look forward to it. This has been fantastic. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, I just like to give the opportunity to people listening. You can certainly find me um, on my website, V as in Victor, V as in Boy. Surgical, S-U-R-G-I-C-A-L, arts, A-R-T-S dot com. That's vbsurgicalarts.com. You can also find me on Instagram, um, where you can also find my before and afters. So that's D-R Gordon, G-O-R-D-O-N, underscore cosmetic surgery. That's D-R Gordon, underscore cosmetic surgery. And I look forward to speaking with you again next month. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Gospels, we'll chat next month, and uh, have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, YouTube. All right, bye-bye. Woo!
that was a wealth of information. I can't even imagine what, you know, what some of the other, um, you, uh, you listeners, um, have been blessed with this morning. Um, you know, I, I generally don't like the pop questions because it kind of sends a person all over the place, you know, whether they know it or not, whether they know it or not. I always like to have a more focused conversation, but this opened up, you know, in doing that, it always benefits us because now it opens up um, an avenue of understanding as to what people really need to know, what people lack as far as information. And here we are. I mean, and, and, and Dr. Gordon has been a blessing because I just blindly, as I always tell you, I reach out to, you know, different um, individuals on Facebook. I don't know Dr. Gordon personally, but God always directs me to who I need to reach out to. And he was so gracious in, you know, the way he answered in his availability in making himself available to bless us, to give us this information. And, you know, he called back. You know, I reached out to him. He called me and just expressed, you know, a desire to, you know, be a blessing. He didn't say it that way. I'm, I'm saying it that way because that's the way I look at things. Um, as, you know, he's a blessing. Um, they're a blessing. I actually have several um, individuals that I am lining up to, you know, to be our Dr. Phil, our Dr. Oz, who's going to be with us on a regular basis. And whether that regular is monthly, whether that regular is, is every two months, whether that regular is quarterly, that's the way they'll be scheduled. And, you know, Therapeutic Thursday hopefully will never be the same again because there's too much information that we are needing on a regular basis to, um, to let this opportunity go by. You know, we've been for two and a half years, oh, my goodness, it's almost three years. Can you imagine that? It's almost for almost three years, look at how God has blessed us. And, you know, again, this is all free. We don't have to pay a thing. All we have to do is pay attention. How great is our God? Well, we do, um, thankfully, have a pray for them today, but more importantly, we have pray for them time. So let's uh, let's talk to Shantice and, and see what she's got for us this morning. Good morning, Shantice. Good morning. Good morning. How are you, Pastor I am well, thank you. How are you? Fine, thank you. Good. How did you enjoy Dr. Gordon this morning? I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I only inserted one question into the mix, but even with just that one question, being able to hear me answer the other questions that were submitted, it was really good. Full information wow. he gave me, gave one word answers, so, you know, it didn't leave you like, Okay, that's it. Or what else? It was really good. All right. Yeah, it was pretty thorough. It was pretty thorough yeah. in his answers. And again, we can only give God thanks 
Um, hmm. So what you got for us today? Okay, today we have Pray For Them, and today we are praying. I had a viewer submit a celebrity from the other day. Today we are praying for Nick Cannon. Everybody knows Nick Cannon. MTV's Wildin' Out, he's the host, the movie, Love Don't Cost a Thing, where he played opposite Christina Milian. Um, He started, he got his big break when he started out on all that. It was like the teen the teen version of Saturday Night Live. That was on Nickelodeon. And he played opposite of Keenan and Kel. Everybody was Keenan and Kel. Um, he had a few hits out, well, songs, <laughs> out with um, R. Kelly. And, you know, if you watch well enough, they're always making, you know, teasing him about his music and stuff. But he's been able to make a name for himself. He's also the host of The Masked Singer. And he was the host of America's Got Talent as well. He was able to do a lot. He's married to Mariah Carey. Everybody knows Nick Cannon. Everybody knows Nick Cannon. But one of the main reasons why he, the um, our viewer, one of the listeners and viewers, because we also do pray for them Thursday night on Facebook Live, um, submitted Nick Cannon was because he has just welcomed baby number 12 about a week ago, week, week or so ago, two weeks. Everyone knows uh he was married to Mariah Carey. They had twins. Next thing I knew, I woke up. He had 11 kids. I'm like, where did these babies come from? Where did these relationships come from? I didn't hear anything. And, of course, you know, I, I really do love the fact because there are a nice amount of celebrities where they're not in the tabloids. You know, you don't really see a lot of their personal lives. So, you know, they're in the media because of what they're doing entertainment-wise, projects that they're um part of, especially if they're behind the scenes in the project, you know, like Nick Cannon, he's executive producer, I just actually found that out, of America's Got Talent and stuff like that, so their name and stuff is in the media a lot more, but you don't really see a lot of their personal lives, and it doesn't mean their personal lives are, are toxic or anything, but they just try to keep that out, and it's, that, that's good, you know, you don't need the, you know, your family and everybody all up in the camera. However, I was like, where do these other kids come from? I didn't know anything. So he just had baby number 12. He was a part of um, CNN's New Year's Eve show last week. And one of the hosts joked with Nick Cannon about how he's now repopulating the earth. And he asked him what was his plan. And Nick Cannon replied, quote, clearly I don't have a plan. Honestly, man, it's just so much joy and elation that I have, the family that I have and I embrace it. I love it, and I don't have a plan. That should have been clear from the jump, end quote. Nick Cannon was then asked about a vasectomy, and his response was, quote, it's my choice. I'm sorry, it's my body, my choice, end quote. Now, in 2002 alone, he had five children with five different women, and two of those children were both born in the month of September. So I was a little curious, you know, what, what is it that he – so from his two hosting shows alone, he racks up about at least $8 million per season, and he spends uh, roughly at least three, $3 million a year on his kids. He says, you know, I spend a lot more than that, but, you know, if you want to, like, kind of put it on paper, it's at least $3 million. He said he doesn't have any plans on being put on child support 
legally, like the mothers go to the courts and now, you know, it's on paper that he's mandated that he pays this. This is just my, I guess, whatever agreement he has with each mother. So then the topic came up about him spending time with his kids. And he had a lot to say, but quote, contrary to popular belief, I'm probably engaged through my children's day more often than the average adult can be. If I'm not physically in the same city with my kids, I'm talking to them before they go to school via FaceTime and stuff. And then when I am in the same city, I'm driving my kids to school, like making sure I pick them up. I've seen where people believe a traditional household works, and yet there's a lot of toxicity in that setting. It's not about what society deems is right. It's like, what makes what makes it right for you? What brings your happiness? What allows you to have joy in how you define family? We all define family in so many different ways, end quote. We need to pray for Nick Cannon because this mentality is the main reason why a lot of these men are out here just carelessly having children. So you two have five different women impregnated in one year. That gives me a headache. I ain't sleep with nobody. I ain't got a dollar in this dream. I ain't the beneficiary or nothing. But, but the first thing I thought about was how you're spreading yourself so thin. How people, because it's not only him. You know, he's not the only man or women. Because now, now I'm I'm questioning the women. You know, what is this a plan? Did y'all, so he said he doesn't have a plan. Did y'all have a plan where y'all a group of friends and said, okay, so we going to get pregnant by Nick Cannon and rack up on this money? I don't know. It, it just doesn't seem, you know, we know that. Paper-wise, you know, him and Mariah Carey, they were married, had children, so on and so forth. They've been able to make it work and properly co-parent after their, their divorce. But now with all of this, how can we really believe that I can have not only all of these children, because I even thought about when you're in a, a regular you know, ordinary, healthy relationship and marriage. And, you know, you hear about the people who've had um, 12 kids, 13 kids, 20 kids. You know, that's a lot. And, th- and everyone has the same parents. Now, you have how many different children and how many different households and how many different mothers. That's different routines. That's different psyches. That's different habits. That's different everything. And not only that, you are a successful businessman. You're traveling So now none of your children get all of you because you're traveling alone, type of work you do alone. And what I heard in this explanation and quote from him was a lot of, I'm going to try to justify what I like. You know, what is it that makes you happy? Well, what makes the kids happy? What is it that you seem right? Well, what makes, what what do you, how do you know what the kids seem right? You know, it's a lot of this is what I feel I want. And we really need to pray for his mentality. Nick Cannon is nowhere near ignorant to God. He grew up. His father was a pastor. I believe his father said a lot. His father was a pastor. He knows what it is to go to church. He knows what it is to pray. He knows. You know, we don't know how his relationship is with God, but he is no stranger to God. You know, and we really need to pray that he makes room for God to speak to him. The kids are already here now. So now he needs to be still long enough for God to give him a plan as to how he is now going to properly co-parent with 12 children with six different women, the six women total. And most of these women have more than one child with him. So praying for the children also, 
that they do not feel slighted, that they do not, whether they legitimately feel this way or whether they try to conjure up some feelings, you know, because now it's a thing to put your parents on blast on Instagram and whatever other social media platforms to talk about what your parents do or don't do. I just saw another child do it last week, you know, but praying for their mentality as well, um, praying that the siblings can, you know, cohesively be together, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, praying for the women that whatever motives they had, if their motives were pure, if they had ulterior motives, praying that God, they allow God to speak to them and teach them how to now properly co-parent because now where he could be looking at it as, okay, so me and Rebecca and we're family with with our kids and me and Stacy, we're family with our kids. No, this is now one whole big family. If you, six women, and all these children, you know, you would like to think that you can separate the household, but it ultimately comes down to now everybody is a family. So asking God to teach them how he needs them to move, the choices he needs them to make for their own lives as the adult, as well as for these children, praying for the followers, people who um fans of Nick Cannon. Um, one of the, the women, she's, um, a model, so I'm sure she has her own following, her own fan base, praying for them as well, that they don't now look at this and want to emulate this, that they don't want to follow behind this, and praying for all of those who already have lives like this and continue to try to justify it, that this mental cycle breaks, because this is a lot for you to now, and not only that, what I also thought about Pastor says, praying for Nick, Nick Cannon's physical health, because I do believe when he was married to the Mariah yep. Carey, he had a yep. very, he was very intense Ill. Yep. health scare. Very, yep. Yes, very intense health scare, yep. and we thank God that he recovered. We don't always know, even without that health scare. We don't always know, and you speak about it a lot, Pastor Self, how at 5 o'clock you were fine, and at 5.05 you had to be rushed to the emergency room. And now, God forbid, we ain't even talk about anything being fatal. If something like that was to happen again, now these women are just left to themselves as far as parenting. You are now down, so you cannot assist with however and whenever you, you're doing your part. You won't be able to do anything. So he's really also praying that his health, his physical health, stays the way it needs to stay because it's not just about his life. Now he has 12 other lives he has to make sure he's physically intact for. Well, no, he has those 12 lives plus the six lives oh, the of every yes, the, the, of the models. So yes. thank you so much for bringing that to our attention. And that's one of the things I was thinking about was his health. He had a, a, a real, he was out of here. He was really mm-hmm almost out of here. So I, I can't imagine, but I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, let's hold hands and hold hearts. Pastor Charlotte, Elder Beard, um, <laughs> lifting up Nick Cannon in this entire situation before the Lord, the Heavenly Father, God, we come before you and we say thank you. Thank you because you are always right by our side, God. No matter what we experience, no matter what we go through, no matter the level of confusion or clarity, you are always right there, dear Heavenly Father. We lift up Nick Cannon and this entire situation before you, dear Heavenly Father. Lord, from from the way he's just 
describing it. Everything is in his hands. He holds the key to everything. He holds the financial key into these lives. He holds the the uh, the, the physical, you know, the the, the errand running and the. You know, everything, he's, he's doing himself, the Heavenly Father. But we have not heard him yet say that he's trusting you for anything. We, in all of that, Shantice did not read him saying thank you to you, the Heavenly Father, for any of it, God. And as we just got finished saying, you know, he, he had a serious medical um, situation where if you chose to close his eyes, where would these children have been back then? Well, God, we don't know what his fate is. We don't know what his physical um, capabilities are, if he should become disabled again, if he should become ill again, if he, if you should close his eyes today or tomorrow. Where will all of these lives go to Heavenly Father? Lord, Shanti said he was raised by a... Uh, a father who was a pastor, and Lord, we know that that did not go over his head, that he was a part of that somehow. He was introduced to you. And Lord, we just got finished talking about on Tuesday, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he grows older, he will not depart from it. So we know that although he may not be acting on it, it's not that it's separated from him, God. And we're going to trust your word, God, that, you know, there's a seed and it's been watered. The seed has been planted and has been watered all of these years. And, Lord, we're asking you now to give the increase, the increase so that all of these children can be a blessing uh, to this world because they were blessed efficiently. That they are not walking around feeling neglected. They're not walking around feeling like they have been robbed because they have to share their father with how many other children? How many women do they have to share him with? And these are things that he's not thinking, the Heavenly Father. He's not thinking that at any given day that his body could shut down. And all those errands and picking up and taking to school and picking up the phone and call, that may come to an end, God. We don't have say over these things. He didn't know that was coming the first go-round, dear Heavenly Father. But, Lord, for the sake of the children, we're asking you to touch upon his mind, touch upon his heart, touch upon his spirit, dear Heavenly Father, that he would turn all of this around. And let it be so that this ends this journey of bringing more children into this world. Look for the mothers, the Heavenly Father. We don't know what they were thinking. I'm mother of child number 12. We don't know what she's thinking, God. We don't know why. We don't know what plan she had. He said he doesn't have a plan. We don't know the plan she has, God. But, Lord, I'm asking. We're asking today, as we hold hands and hold hearts, that there would be a master plan between all of them, that somebody would be walking in you, that someone would bring you to the table, that in all this conversation and all of this baby-making, 
that all of that would be put aside and that they would seek you first, as we talked about yesterday. And Lord, we don't know what they're missing. We don't know what voids they have that they feel these children and this activity is filling. But we know, dear Heavenly Father, that there's no better gap filler than your son. We say thank you, God, for sending him. Because it's for such a time as this. When we're so out of control, when we don't have a plan, when we don't care enough to have a plan, when we don't realize or we forget that you have a plan for us. So says Jeremiah that every single one of us has been thought about. We're still here for a reason, and it's not just to roam the earth. Mm-hmm. So, Lord, we're asking for everybody who is involved to be just lifted, lifted and changed. Thank you. We're going to thank you in advance according to your will. What needs to be done? What doesn't need to be done? But we know you have the answer, God. We're asking you to step in and step in now. Not tomorrow, not next week, but right now, God. So that they can see who you are. That they would recognize and and acknowledge who you are. That they would make a decision that they don't want this world and the way of the world, but that they want you. And although they can't go back and change it, but they can definitely fix it according to your guidelines as long as you have them breathing going forward. We thank you for answering our prayer, God, because we don't know. We don't know how you're going to answer, but we know that you will because those children belong to you before they belong to any mother or father. Regardless of how much money he has, regardless of how much property he owns, we know that it's only one of him, and he is not like you. He cannot spread himself, and everyone will be uh, a recipient of him equally. Thank you, God. Thank you for giving us this opportunity to lift someone that we don't personally know before you. We give you the glory and the honor, so rightly do your name. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Shanti. Thank you. All right. Have a blessed day. You too. Thank you. You know, as Shanti was talking, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, you know, we really believe that we got a whole lot of power. You know, I don't have a plan, and, you know, the vasectomy is my, you know, that that's a decision that I can make. And didn't I just tell you all that I had to have an emergency hysterectomy? We don't have control over our bodies. We don't have control the way we think we have. And for you to bring 12 children, and now also remember, he just recently had a child that passed away. So, you know, you really don't have the control you think you have because if you did, you would rethink this thing. So, you know, we want to say thank you to God for giving us 
some level of understanding and logic. Again, as we always say, this could be us. We always talk about our former life. However, we don't know where we would be if God had not just grabbed us and we didn't answer. Uh, You know, where would we be? And I really started thinking about it. I'm like, well, you know, you talking about, well, you know, when you're in the same city, you pick them up and take them to school. And for you to just assume that these children do not feel robbed, you, you, I mean, that, that's pretty bad. Like Shanti said, it's all about you. That's all that was said. And for you to make these babies like this, it's all about you. We have got to make sure that we give God the glory and honor out of our lives. Because we don't need to make these kind of decisions. Because we lose sight of the big picture. I always say, and I believe I said it the other day when we were talking... Listen, these kids belong to God before they belong to you. So what you do to them, God ain't happy with this because you can't give a child of 12, and especially, we're not even talking about, like Shanti said, under one roof. We're talking about you all over the place. You can't give those children the same amount of attention you can't give those children the same amount of love. There's no way in the world. You're not God. You don't have the ability. So come on, let's, let's make sure we make better decisions and we put God first in our life so that we're able to make better decisions. You've been listening to It's Due Time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit as you go through your day. Be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank our Dr. Pierre Gordon for being with us today and really enlightening us on a lot of different areas in the GYN arena. Thank you for listening, submitting your questions, and participating today. Couldn't do it without you. Please do not miss this opportunity to give Jesus your personal, your life today. Make him your personal Savior today. Please make sure you just strengthen that relationship with the Lord. Today, right now, because later is not promised to any of us. Until tomorrow, God spares. Where it's freestyle Friday. My life again. I want to keep saying that. If God has us here, oh, we'll be able to do what God wants us to do. Until then, I love you.